0: Good morning, friends. How are you doing today? Good to see you guys. Oh, man, so good to be with you this morning. So I don't know if you're following along with our uh, rocket fuel devotions and kind of the, the fasting that we've been doing. And so if you're on kind of the track, we've been doing a media fast. And I, I'm happy to say last year, Bethany said, hey, we're going to do a media fast. And, 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 you know, that means like giving up social media and stuff. And I was like, "Ah, I don't need to do that. I don't got a problem with it. And then she's like, well, hand me your phone. I'm like, nah, you know. And this year, I've been doing the media fast, and it's been, it's been going good. I, I wasn't missing it too much. So aren't you proud of me? Yeah. Uh, but I do have to say, you know, yesterday, we're on this media fast, not really watching TV, you know, just kind of getting rid of social media, just sort of detoxing from that. I feel like my stress is way down. It's kind of nice. I don't know what's going on in the world, so everything's good, right? At least don't tell me if anything's not going well. But uh, there was some football games on yesterday, some NFL playoff games. Anybody know that God's holy and righteous anointed team, the San Francisco 49ers? Yep. Came against the birds of the air that come to dwell in the branches of the tree, which is the kingdom of God, like representing demons, otherwise known as Seahawks. Wow, wow. Man, it feels like the Lord needs to help some people today, but... We are in a media fast, so I recorded them on my DVR and was going to watch the games at another time, but we went to Red Robin to, uh, you know, have some food and, you know, during a fast, you're fasting media, so you go eat unhealthy food, but we'll do the food thing tomorrow, I think, and then we'll watch Twitter. But anyways, uh, we're, we're at Red Robin and having dinner, as we call it, kind of lunch dinner, about three something, whenever the 49ers game was on, which I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be on. But we sat at the table, and rather than be a Pharisee and try to turn my head away and not watch, I went ahead and watched the 49ers dominate the Seahawks. <clears throat> so, yeah, woo! Is that what you're saying? Woo! Woo! Anyway, Seahawks. The, the, there's always a silver lining. You guys get a head start on, uh, you know, putting together your team for next year and all that. So, um, you know, when you had the former coach of USC as your head coach, you sort of brought your brand down with the Lord. So. <clears throat> Anyways, jumping in. We're in the middle of this Rocket Fuel series. I'm excited about this, talking about fueling our lives with the presence of God and learning how to connect with Him through daily devotions, otherwise known as prayer, Bible reading, uh, some of these spiritual disciplines, things that we're talking about. And uh, when I wrote the book Rocket Fuels many years ago now, uh, Bethany and I were working at another church, and there was a lady that had joined the church. And at this church, we did these membership interviews. And so it was uh, kind of my time to have an appointment with this lady. And I was going to interview her, uh, just like say, how can we help you grow? How can we connect? So on and so forth. just really, really sweet lady. Uh, She'd been a Christian, I think for about 20 plus years. And so I was thinking, you know, uh, hopefully I can just help her, you know, what do you want to know? Here's how to get into a small group, you know, that type of thing. But I said something during this conversation that we're having about my daily devotions. And she said, what's that? And I was like, well, daily devotions uh, are, you know, like prayer, Bible reading in the morning. And I realized I was using kind of insider language, right? Do you ever go somewhere, like if you go to a school and they're like, yeah, we're having the uh, 247 meeting in the FRM room with the Niners and you're like, what? And you don't know what they're talking about. And I realized like I was using insider language, but I assumed she was an insider because she'd been a Christian for a long time and this kind of clued me in that she didn't, maybe have access or, or know some of the things that I had been, been given, even as a, a younger guy uh, growing up in church and, and growing in my relationship with the Lord. So I said, well, you know, devotions is like prayer, Bible reading. And she goes, well, let me be honest with you. I, I don't know how to pray. And it was one of those moments where, you know, you're having a natural conversation, but I also felt like the Lord was there uh, speaking to me in that moment uh, and, and, and I realized, like, this is something that should be simple and should be fundamental because this is like the children's bread. This is like, this is just, you know, basic as a Christian. It's your birthright. When you become a child of God, when you give your life to Christ, you're brought into relationship with the Father. And because of what Jesus did at the cross, you have access to his presence. And prayer is simply communication. It's speaking and listening to God. How many of you know that communication is really the foundation of every good relationship, right? In marriage, what's the main thing you work on in marriage? Being right. No, I'm sorry. Communication, right? <laughs> communication. Uh, we're having some communication problems in, in, in our marriage. Bethany had to go help with the nursery today, so I'm, I get to talk about this. I didn't do it in first service because she was in here, but now she's not in here. I feel a little bit more freed up and empowered, but we're having some communication issues in our marriage, and, uh, and they're real. You know, she goes... Jake, I realized that you can't hear. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And she's like, I've noticed, you, I've had a cold, you know, for a little while. And she's like, right now with this cold, I'll like say things to you and you just, you don't hear me. And, and the context of this was yesterday I said, hey, hon, I'm going to go get the mail. Do you want to walk with me, you know, to get the mail? And I walked down the street to the mailbox, or whatever, just, you know, because I'm romantic. And, uh, and so she had apparently said yes. And then I hear her voice like, Jake, from behind me as I'm out halfway to the mailbox, you know. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to get the mail. You know, I asked if you wanted to go, but you didn't respond. And she's like, I said, I, I said yes. <laughs> so then she told me, you can't hear. So that's, that's the first thing that's going wrong, you know, with our communication is I can't hear, which apparently, I hope it's a cold, but it could just be as I age, right? The second issue we're having with our communication is that this has happened several times in the past just few days. She'll be like, you've told me this three times, <laughs> and I realize I am becoming my father. How many of you <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? I'll, 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 I'll literally talk to my dad. My dad and I, you know, he's pastored 40 years, and he and I are very close. We talk more on the phone than teenage girls. I guarantee you we do. We'll literally spend like four hours on the phone, okay? is how I use my time, talking to my dad, because we have to talk about everything. Talk about the Ducks, talk about the Niners, talk about the San Francisco Giants, the kids for about three minutes, sports, three hours, you know, stock market, world, politics. We will circle the globe and then do it again, you know what I mean? So that, that's, It's good, you know, but I have a great relationship with my dad, but he'll be like, hey, you know, this such and such a thing happened, and I'll be like, oh, he's told me like seven times. Easy. Like, you know, told me last week, told me the week before. I'm actually going to speak on Sunday in March at my parents' transition service. So my my mom and my dad have both asked me to speak at this transition service. And if you're watching online, this is the third time you've asked me. So my dad (laughs) calls me the other day. (laughs) My dad calls me the other day. He's like, son, I'm going to talk to you. I'm like, hey, dad, I'm, I'm dying of this cold, but I would like to talk to you on the phone. So yes. And he's like would you do the honor of, of speaking uh, on Sunday at my transition service? And I was like, the answer, as it was the other three times you asked, is yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Anyways, communication. So I'm, I'm turning into my dad, and I'll probably tell you this story next week, right? You'll probably hear it again. She said, I, I don't know how to pray. You know, in this meeting I'm having, and, and the Lord impressed upon me this is a, a, a need uh, to, to to open this up for Christians to be able to understand that prayer is simply communication with God, it is not meant to be complete, you know, complex and, and this black box that is uh, untouchable and unknowable for Christians. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the prayer life and how fundamental it is to the life of a believer and how accessible it is that God is not wanting prayer to be like this black box that you cannot understand, you, you can't know and there's some VIP people that have this ability to pray in a particular way that you don't have, um, this is very much a uh, all the cookies are on the bottom shelf for all of us when it comes to our relationship with God. So let's talk about this today. Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. W- we need to take on this same mentality that prayer is not something that we will work ourselves into or work towards. Yes, you can build a prayer life, but understanding that being a Christian means that you have given your life to Jesus, you are his follower, you have a relationship with God, and if you don't communicate with God, that relationship suffers and, and is and is sick, right, at, at kind of the best level. Like a marriage, if you just stop talking, it doesn't work, right? That's why my wife is like, hey, you can't hear, right? We need to work on this communication thing. If communication is not happening, the relationship is kind of sick. I think communication is like a thermometer in a relationship. Uh, If you ever do any marriage counseling or you've ever been to marriage counseling, that's the thing you talk about is is your communication. Because when communication is good, you can work through things. Uh, When it's bad, even that becomes an issue and it just messes everything up. Prayer is meant to be uh, fundamental. It is fundamental in our relationship with God. One of the things I want to dispel today is this idea that God is trying to be inscrutable. He's dark and inscrutable and mysterious, and he's hiding in the cosmic ether. And if you will, you know, work on your arcane arts and learn how to pray with your arms crossed and learn how to do a spiritual dance or something or light a particular form of incense, then God might maybe perhaps be accessible in some small way. No, God is more interested in a relationship with you than you are with him. When we talk about this word devotions, my devotions, you know, I'm devoting this time, I'm setting it aside for prayer, for Bible reading, because I want to connect with my Father in heaven. We need to understand that the basis of it, the foundation of it, is not your devotion to God, but His devotion to you. And I think the number one indicator of this is when you consider the cross of Christ, that God says, I want a relationship with my children so bad. I want to rescue them. I want to reconcile uh, this relationship that was fractured because of sin, that I will invest myself into human form and live on, this, in, on planet Earth and come down the ladder all the way. And, you know, the Bible says Jesus was tested and tried, and he suffered, but he, without sin, he experienced all that we experience as humans, yet without sin. And then he ultimately, his, his reward for this is he gives his life at the cross, and, and dies, right? I mean, if you think about it, God is very interested and very invested in relationship with us. And yet prayer is one of those things that the devil sort of clouds our eyes, blinds us to, to use. It's a, it's a weapon in our arsenal that is often unused, something that will not only bless you, uh, but also will be used to bless the world. And we'll talk more about that, that God not only speaks to you and interacts with you and has a relationship with you through prayer, but He also uses prayer as the vehicle by which he chooses to act in the world around us, even changing the very fabric of reality that we see around us. This access to the creator of heaven and earth for Christians is something that is often uh, not used. And there's, there's different reasons for this, and I'll talk about some of those reasons today. I'm just going to kind of go through four sort of simple objections, whether you said these out loud, or maybe they've been in your heart, or maybe just one of them uh, fits, we'll see. But here's four objections that I think why we neglect to pray, why we don't Enjoy this conversational, dynamic, intimate relationship with God that is available to us through Christ. The first one is that we simply don't know how. And this is what I mentioned when I talk about that black box kind of a thing that we think, well, you know, maybe you're imagining Pastor Pastor Jake or Bethany or some of the elders here or the leaders or someone that you see as spiritual, you're like, it's not you. Okay, well, whoever it is that you see as spiritual, and you might imagine that they have this particular prayer room, and there they are, and they have the most perfect prayer posture that you've ever seen. And when they pray, the air sort of shimmers a little bit, right? And they can, you hear little light, light angels singing, you know what I mean? And it suddenly smells like frankincense and myrrh, you know, for whatever reason, and you think that they have some sort of a thing that you don't have, uh, and you think that it's, that it's because you, you don't know how to, you know, manufacture this spiritual power or whatever it is with prayer. Well, that, that for a lot of people is why they don't pray. I think for this lady, she was just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. We'll, we'll talk about uh, that in a second. And the second thing is that we don't think we have time. It's just I can't fit it in my life. Prayer. You know, if I'm going to be a person of prayer, it requires six hours a day. And if I can't do that, then I don't do it. Um, number three, we don't think it's that important. In other words, it's like something that, that, that you would look at as almost like an upgrade to your life. So you might think as a Christian, well, prayer is, is, uh, is a good thing, but it's not really the main thing or it's not really important. And I would say today, it actually is very important. Uh, I would say it is uh, the lifeblood of a Christian relationship you know, with with your heavenly Father. And then the fourth thing is this, that we don't believe it makes a difference. So if you don't think that when you pray, God actually does answer the prayer and move and actually do something, then why would you do it, right? Now, for me, uh, a couple months ago, I had a revelation that my practice had sort of shifted away from my theology because my brain, my mind, my theological belief about prayer was that when I pray, God is responsive and dynamic and that he moves. It was actually during our, uh, our series that we were doing about God Has a Name, and I was reading about the, the dynamic relationship with God and how he moves in response to prayer, and I realized, oh, Jake, you are not practicing something that you believe, because I believed in my head that God listened to my prayers and that he actually chose to act and do things that he otherwise wouldn't do in response to prayer, okay? Or that he would not do things he might have been going to do in response to prayer, okay? And, and, and I'll talk about this later. And I realized that my practice in prayer had shifted away from my theology. And I think this happens for us sometimes. Where what we actually do and live out is different than what we might believe intellectually about God or how He operates, And I had to repent and say, okay, God, bring me back to this place where when I pray and I ask you to heal someone or I ask you to move in a particular situation, change something about the world that I'm asking you for, that I actually think that not only can you, but you will, that you do respond and interact with me and that prayer actually changes things. So that's another reason why people don't pray. They just neglect it because they don't think anything's going to happen when they pray. And I'll talk about each of these real quickly. Number one, when we talk about not knowing how, we need to understand, we just break down this objection, that prayer is not for experts. Prayer is not for somebody who has the name pastor before their name or somebody who is bishop or reverend or something. And prayer is not for some spiritual Navy SEALs that may or may not exist within the church. Yes, there are people that have an incredible prayer life that you might not. But it's not because they have different DNA than you and somewhere in their genetic code is written like prayer will work for this person. But how many of you know there's a praying grandma in your life or a person that prays and you you tend to think like, man, when they pray, God listens. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But it's not because they've been given some special status. It's that they use what you could do too. There's this crazy thing. Like I look at people and I'm like, I hate you. And you go, why do you hate that person? Well, they're skinny. You know what I'm saying? And I'm there on watching TV and there's these people and they're like running and they're smiling, you know, which is not true. I've run before. It's not fun. Okay? Tried it. And I get jealous and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'm not like way out of line, but I'm not great. You know what I mean? When I see my, my kids, they can like bend over and I can't do that. I have to sort of do this. Do you know what I mean? Here's what I mean by this the people that are in shape and fit and all that they're just availing themselves of what we all could do it's called exercise <laughs> somebody's like praise the lord i've just been delivered you know <laughs> delivered we had this guy that would come preach at joy medford and he one day walked in i was doing a group for a bunch of teenagers and this dude was rotund he was round he was he was a large fellow okay he was fat and he walks in one day, and he's like, praise God, praise God, praise God, young people. And we're like, what's going on? And he goes, your dad took me down to the Mongolian barbecue today. I got one of them five-gallon drums uh, of Mongolian food, and the Lord delivered me from the spirit of, of, uh, of anorexia today. <laughs> <laughs> praise God. Exercise. The people that are in shape are just availing themselves of something that is available to me, but I make a choice to either use it or lose it. Come on. And prayer is the same way. When you see somebody who is actually praying and enjoying a dynamic, conversational, intimate relationship with Jesus, it's not that they're special, it's that they're doing it. Okay? And so prayer is not for experts. Jesus actually tells us what prayer is really about. In Luke chapter 11... Verse 5, he says, then teaching his disciples, this is the them that's there, more about prayer, he used this story. He says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, two great words right here, shameless persistence. How many of you would say, like me, I might not be the most spiritual or intelligent individual, but I sure as heck know how to annoy people. And Jesus actually says that's the secret to prayer. The secret to prayer is not spirituality. It's not that you have a particular kind of incense, that you know how to put your hands in a certain way, that you know how to speak like a knight when you pray. Dear God. Thou art all in heaven. And thy will, you know. No, it's that's not what qualifies you to be uh, to, to get something done in prayer. What Jesus says the real secret is, is you don't quit. Now I grew up in a, a charismatic kind of Pentecostal church and My dad was like old school Pentecostal and they had a saying in the old Pentecostal church and it's PUSH, it's an acronym and it stands for pray until something happens. And people that are prayer warriors who believe what Jesus says here in the scripture, this is how they pray. They don't think that their prayer life is based on their complexity or their ability to like really say really important things or something. They just don't stop praying until there is clarity and an answer and movement in in that thing how many of you have things in your life that feel like immovable objects right what 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 does an immovable object need it needs an unstoppable force right and what again if we don't believe that if we think prayers about complexity and knowledge and arcane arts or something then we're not going to do this but Jesus says this is what you need to do just keep knocking if you have a physical healing that you need, just keep knocking. Does that mean you're going to get healed? Yes, that's what's going to happen 100%. No, I don't know. I'm not the one that answers prayers. Did you know that? People are like, oh, pastor, would you pray for me? I'm like, maybe. I got a lot of stuff to pray for. Now, if if you ask me to pray for you, if I don't pray for you right there, don't count on that prayer. You should pray. you're like, I respect you less. Well, that's fine. I'm just being honest with you, right? But like, here's the deal. If you have a child and you want them to come back to the Lord, a grown child, like you pray. If you have something that you want done in your city and you want to see God's hand move and make a change in your neighborhood, you pray. Well, pastor, you're saying that your prayers don't mean more than mine? Correct. You know what, what works, though? Getting a lot of people praying and continuing to pray until something happens. But you should be persistent. And who's the one that teaches us this? Jesus. And he goes on. He says, and so I tell you, and just so you know, I do pray for you guys. Okay, I will pray for you. Just, but just pray for yourself. Okay, so I tell you, keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. What is he saying? Be annoying be shamelessly persistent. God, I want this. God, this is what I want. God, I want you to heal my aunt. God, I want you to move in my city so that we have an answer for the things that you know. That we keep doing, you keep knocking. He says, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Prayer is not about your expertise, it's about shameless persistence. The second objection is that we don't think we have time. Uh, there was a Nielsen study, this is back in 2010, So I think we've probably not changed a whole lot from from then. Uh, At the time, this Nielsen study revealed that Americans spend 63.5 billion minutes on social networks and blogs, uh, like Facebook, Instagram, all this kind of stuff. And another study indicated that an average internet user spends 68 hours on the internet per month, which equates to about two hours and six minutes per day. And I don't think we've gone down since 2010. If anything, we've gone up. Right? That's why we have to do things like media fasts,? Right? Like let me just set this aside. You know, We, we have time. What, the issue is not an issue of time. The issue is about priority. The issue is about what we value. I mean, think about what we do when we value something. If I said, "Hey, I've got four tickets to the Super Bowl, box seats, all expenses paid. Uh, You know, but you got to get there to wherever that's going to be held this year. How many of you are like, I think I could maybe make time for that? You know, I got season tickets for the Ducks, box seats, uh, you know, Phil Knight's helicopter is actually going to fly you right to the O, land you in the middle. It's going to be great. You know, you make time for what you value, right? I have an all expenses paid vacation to Cabo, all inclusive. We'll get you there. You know, fly around. You can do, you can swim with the dolphins and whatever you want to do. I'll be at the pool, but you can do whatever you want to do. How many of you would make time? Right? So we've, when we value something, we, we make time for it. And so with prayer, this idea like I'm too busy to pray or I, I don't have time for it is, is a it's a false objection. All right. Third, prayer is not important or I don't think it's important or I don't see the value. I would say this, that prayer is vitally important. It is our lifeline to God, our communication with God. Just like we've already talked about in a marriage, your communication is like the thermometer. If your communication is bad, your relationship is bad. If your communication is non-existent, your relationship is non-existent. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. This analogy is so clear, right? Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What is the fruit that comes out of a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruitful life. It's a a life that is connected to purpose. You can extrapolate all of these things. He says, if you are connected to God, if you stay in relationship, if you're a branch connected to the vine, that fruit's going to come. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is where I think we oftentimes think of things in gradation uh, or a spectrum that are really black and white. And here's what I mean by this we think, well, prayer's like an upgrade. I could add prayer into my life and I'll have a slightly better relationship with God. Maybe I'll be a little bit more holy. No. Prayer is the interactive dynamic relationship. It is the vehicle by which that relationship takes place. And if prayer is not a part of your life, you don't have a relationship with God. And really what's happening is you're not connected to the vine and there's no fruit that comes out of your life. Which is why some of the really awesome uh, heroes of the faith that I learn from and read, people like Andrew Murray... George Mueller, you know, Christians who didn't, they weren't fancy. They didn't have access to, like, uh, Instagram and make, like, cool reels about prayer. They, like, did this crazy thing. They wrote books. And they wrote books. Uh, They weren't celebrities. They wrote these books to, like, teach their congregations or help people or whatever. They didn't make, like, millions of dollars from it. George Mueller ran an orphanage. Like, but they, they actually said that when you don't pray, you're sinning. Like They said that that prayerlessness is a sin. Well, how could prayerlessness be a sin if it's just an upgraded thing to be a little bit better Christian? No. Prayerlessness says, I don't really care to talk to the God that ransomed me from sin and brought me into his family. Uh, Prayerlessness is like saying to your spouse who you made a covenant with, I don't want to talk to you. Well, now we have a problem, okay? So is prayer important? Yes, it is our relationship with God. It's that vehicle The thing about prayer, it's interesting to me, and we'll talk more about this in weeks to come as we talk about hearing the voice of God, reasons why we can't hear the voice of God, because I'll hear people say this all the time, well, I just, I I don't hear God's voice. Most of the time you do, you just don't like what he's saying. Like God has this bad habit, like he's always telling me to do things I don't want to do. And I'll be like, well, God, you know I'm an Enneagram 1. You know that I'm uh, INFJ on the Myers-Briggs. And, you know, like, it doesn't really suit my personality to go and talk to somebody that you asked me to talk to. And I'm an introvert, God. God, you made me. It says in your word that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) And I argue with God and he's like, well, I just want you to obey. I didn't really need like a lesson from you about who you are. In fact, I know you better than you know yourself, chump. I mean, champ. (laughs) How many of you know when you actually hear God, most of the time the thing he's telling you is the thing you don't want to do. You're like, oh God, would you heal my heart? Because I have so much bitterness towards my parents because they're so rotten and bad and my mom was such a manipulator and da-da-da-da-da. And God's like, forgive, release restore, go the extra mile. And you're like, yeah, but what about that book that said I need boundaries? And you're like, well, yeah, you need boundaries. God doesn't turn off wisdom, but he also wants you to forgive and release. And, and, and it's like, yeah, but that, that's the thing that hurts. I wanted you to tell me that I'm justified to be angry. And I wanted you to tell me that it was okay that I live in bitterness. And he's not gonna tell you that. The thing about God is he doesn't lie. And you know what? I lie all the time because people are like, you know, and I want people to lie to me. Like, if I say, hey, guys, do you think I'm handsome? I want you to be like, absolutely, <laughs> yes, definitely. You're, you're a total stud muffin. You're a whole bucket of muffins, you know what I mean? I don't want somebody to be, like, brutally honest. But you know what? You need somebody to be, we call it brutally honest. But isn't that funny? There's nothing br- brutal at all about honesty. It's just that it hurts because it's true. The other day, I was watching an old sermon of mine, and... Because I was getting ready for this series and we had done a similar series in the past and I wanted to see what I had already talked about and so on and so forth. Because I know you guys memorize all the sermons, so I didn't want to repeat things. <coughs> anyways, that's a little joke for me. But anyways, uh, I'm watching and do and did, did you ever compete with your past self? Does this ever happen to anybody else? I was like, I was skinnier at that time. I looked more handsome. Uh, I was like, my message was good. I was writing better sermons and I, now I feel a little distracted and whatever. And I'm like dang it, that guy was better than this guy, but that was me before, you know? And I was a lot lighter. I was like, man, I think I put on a little bit of weight. So I don't think I know that because the scale tells me that I have. It's not like a mystery. So I'm like, hey, kids, come in here. And so my kids came in, you know, yes, dad. And uh, I'm like, look at this video. And they're like, oh yeah, you had a beard and you know, da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah. And, And I'm like, which person do you think is more handsome? You know, this guy on here or this guy? And the girls were like, well, you know, they're like lying to me. And Jack was like, looks like you gained some weight. <laughs> so I was like, you're, you're no longer my son, you know? <coughs> he, uh, he was completely honest with me. And I realized that is how God often is is just honest. And the scary thing about God is that you're always completely butt naked in front of Him in every way, shape, and form. Physically, you can't hide. Emotionally, you can't hide. Spiritually, you can't hide. You can't manipulate God and like act like what you did that other people praised you for, was for the right reason other than getting people's praise when you do it before God. Before God, in Him, the Scripture says, there is no shadow or turning. He is incapable of lying. He's pure love and He's pure holiness. And man, He just roasts me when I get close to Him. Being a Christian is a very uncomfortable thing. It's like you bring all of this baggage and everything and like it's just it, completely invisible to God. He just sees you just as you are, just completely as you are, good, bad, and ugly, and indifferent, and every, all of it. So when we talk about prayer and people are like, well, I, I don't think he's speaking to me, oftentimes is that we actually have created walls of deception and we don't really want to hear. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis where he talks about, like God being in this ocean or whatever and, and there's this cord that comes out and it's like, you know, hey, pull on this cord and God will kind of interact. And we don't pull on the cord because we don't want him to pull back. We don't really want him to be real. We don't really want him to be there because there's so many ramifications and implications of, of his reality. But prayer is important. So as a Christian, we, we take those perhaps tentative steps to say, okay, creator of heaven and earth, here I am in my sinfulness in my brokenness, with my Enneagram number, and here I am. Have your way in me. Uh, What do you want to say today, God? What do you want me to do? And can I pour out my heart to you? It's kind of a vulnerable thing, and it's a beautiful thing, and that's where change is at. Prayer is important. Fourth, prayer makes a difference. Prayer does make a difference. Again, like I said, I had to repent because my theology had stayed true in my head, but in my life, in my practice, in my heart, it had had taken a left turn somewhere, and I wasn't believing that God was responsive to my prayers. And I think this will change some people's lives today, okay? Max Lucado says this. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Second Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways which is a good way of putting it I'm just going to pause for a second and exegete this scripture for just a minute when we dis- divorce prayer from human obedience we are creating something artificial that isn't in the Bible so I'll have people say to me oh pastor would you pray for me and it's like yes but also stop sleeping with the person you're not married to <gasps> Why won't God hear my prayer? He is hearing your prayer. He's actually answering it to you through my mouth right now. <laughs> like pairing prayer with obedience is called discipleship. That's called following Jesus. It's like we have conversations with our kids. My daughter, one of my daughters will say she's sorry. Like that, she's learned that like, if you do something wrong, immediately apologize. Consequences tend to be, you know, mediated or whatever. And we've had to have this conversation a few times now. It's like saying sorry when you've premeditated to do something and you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway and now you're saying sorry because you think that's going to like rubber stamp this behavior isn't going to work. Yes, we're glad that you are emotionally sorry. Do not throat punch your brother again. (laughs) And with God, I want you to think about this. Like it says in the scripture, hey, if my people who are called by my name That's us, okay, will humble themselves and pray. Well, oh, I thought that if I just prayed, no matter what was going on in my life, everything was all hunky-dory. You mean like, so if your communication in marriage is good but you're cheating on your wife, everything's hunky-dory? Yeah, but we, we we have great conversations. No, 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 no. How many of you know we like to simplify things that are complex and complexify things that are simple? We live in a culture that just loves to make things complicated that are very simple. Like, there are men and there are women. That was my whole statement. Simple. It is wrong to have sex with someone you are not married to, biblically. Not biblical sex, I mean in the Bible it says that. You with me? Some of you are like, not anymore? Okay, well... As a culture, we're like, yeah, but you don't understand. Who doesn't understand? God doesn't understand? You don't understand? I don't understand? No, we all understand. We don't like it. So we complexify that which is simple. But we also simplify that which is complex. So people will say things like, well, you know, how could a loving God allow evil? <laughs> gotcha. You're like, you, you, didn't, you didn't actually get anything. Uh, the reason God allows evil, and yet he's totally loving, is because he couldn't create a world in which you didn't have free will, but also have the possibility for somebody to choose contrary to his will, and if he were to do that, and it's very complicated. It's a complicated answer. If you're one of those type of thinkers who thinks that anything biblical or spiritual has to be so simple that an ignoramus could understand it, you need to, like, wake up. There are very simple things in life that you can interact with and know, but somebody actually had to think through the complexity to be able to do it. Like it's easy to drive a car, you just like turn it on, push the thing, but like a really smart German guy named Klaus had to put that thing together originally. You know what I'm saying? So there are things theologically and spiritually that are actually complicated, and if we oversimplify them, we end up with what's called buck-tooth wisdom. It's like we end up having really, really poor theology. You have to read the whole Bible and read it again and read it again and continue to dig in and see what God is doing through the story and see the complexity and see the layers and it's not all just, like, totally observable to anybody that can, can read or whatever. Like, you have to dig in. But there are things also that we like to complexify that are very simple. Things like simple obedience. Things like, yes, you can have a prayer life and communicate with God. Just be ready for Him to speak back to you. Are you with me? I'm preaching a lot of messages right now, but I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. In this case, when we read this verse, he says... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's a lot of ands there. There's a lot of adding things to this. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal, heal their land. Somebody might say, well, this is Old Testament. This doesn't apply to the church today. Da, 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 da No, I think it very much applies. I think it very much applies because in the Old Testament, we see concealed that which in the new is revealed. In the Old Testament, we see God working with His people and trying to convey His character through everything they were going through. And here's God's people in the Old Testament, the Israel in the Old Testament, which now is reflected in the church, which is us, the people that belong to Jesus, God's people called by His name in the New Testament. Yes, we're in the New Covenant, but prayer paired with obedience, prayer paired with humility is what brings power. And when we are in that moment with obedience and humility and we're seeking God's face and there's actually a running away from sin and a turning away from sin and wickedness where we don't try to change what God said is sin but we acknowledge what he said is sin, acknowledge our, our place on the wrong side of the line and then ask for the mercy and grace of Christ, which he provides at the cross, that we then step into right relationship with God. And then as we bring our prayers, we believe that God in response to those prayers actually does things that weren't gonna happen if we didn't pray them. And this is a big idea. If you read the Bible, read it through this lens, okay? I like to read the Bible through. I do it usually one, at least once a year and I've read it now like 30, 40 times, okay? And, and, and so it gets boring, to be honest with you. Like I know it's gonna happen. Abraham does the same stuff every time. I'm always like, Abraham, don't do that. And he just, it's not a choose your own adventure. It's the same book every time. So to not be as bored, I will read the Bible through different lenses. And I I know you're like, well, you're old, you need lenses. No, I mean like metaphorical lenses, philosophical lenses. And one of the lenses I read the Bible through, and this is a great one. It's a really good one. Read the Bible through the lens of look out for every time God answers prayers, Like when he is listening to a person pray in the Bible and does something, either does something or doesn't do something in response to that prayer. Read the whole Bible through that lens and it'll change your prayer life. Because what we actually see is not a God who is robotic and sort of uh, fully always going to do what he's going to do no matter what happens. He actually interacts and works with humans and chooses to sovereignly move in our reality in response and in accordance and in relationship with our prayers, which is a mind-blowing thought. Because I look at my city, this city that we live in, our twin cities of Eugene and Springfield, and, you know, there's nothing to pray for because everything's perfect. Schools are great. You know, everybody has a place to live. Nobody has substance abuse issues. Marriages are great. Families are great. No. I look at the reality around me and I go, does this look like heaven? Not so much. I mean, I love it here, and this is where God's holy and righteous team, the Ducks, play. So there's a lot of good things. But... I look at the world around me, and I think about Jesus telling us to pray this way. Father, let your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I think, hmm, there are some things in the reality around me that even I, in my limited wisdom and capacity, can see do not match the reality of what I believe heaven looks like. And this is the critical moment. Because in this moment, when I see a discrepancy between where I live and what heaven looks like, where God is, those are the moments where I come and pray. And in those prayers, if I believe that God does move dynamically in response to those prayers, things will change. Those are the moments that matter. Those are the moments that matter when we pray. And, we, and it's like Moses in, in the book of Exodus and as the Israelites are in the wilderness, Moses and God couldn't get on the same page because in one prayer, uh, God's like, I'm going to wipe out Israel. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, we're going to start over with you. In the original Hebrew, it says something like, Israel sucks. You know, it's like when you translate it all, that's what God was saying. I got no laughs on that. Anyways, God is saying to Moses, I'm going to destroy Israel. We're going to wipe the slate clean. We're going to start over. And Moses is like, God, don't do it. Because you've said that you're going to lead us to the promised land. And God, if you, you know, your character and so on and so forth. And God's like, okay, I won't. That's a crazy verse. Did Moses change God's mind? Did God know he was going to do it, but not? I, I don't know. I'm not, we're not going to dig into that. But I know that there was a dynamic change in what was going to happen because a person prayed. Then another point, Moses is like, God, wipe out Israel. We'll start over. And God's like, no, Moses, <laughs> right? We're not going to do it. There's another time in the Bible when David asks the Lord, uh, if we go to this such and such a city, what's going to happen? And the Lord's like, that city is going to deliver you into the hands of Saul. And so David leaves. Well, then that doesn't happen. So God said something, but it didn't happen because David changed based on what God said. Do you, do you see the ramifications of this when it comes to your prayer life? What if in life there were things that you were going to do that if you said, Lord, would you give me a clear answer on this? Should I do this? And he was like, no. And then you didn't do it. You, you changed the very fabric of, what, of reality, of time and destiny because you had an interactive relationship with God commensurately, think about how we want things to go. Oftentimes my first response is to go to Google, to complain, to yell, to vote, whatever. It's like I think about all these avenues of change and yet my first response should be as a Christian, believing I have access to the creator of heaven and earth, he that holds the heart of the king in his hands, like the scripture says, rather than just being like, I always write a different president. What if I just prayed for God's will to be done and God's kingdom to come? And I... Use the access that I have in prayer. Again, if you think about God being interactive and dynamic and this relationship you have with him, it changes your prayer life. William Temple, one of the former archbishops of Canterbury, said, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. John Piper said, prayer is not forgetting man's will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done on earth. This idea of a prayer being a dynamic, interactive relationship with God that he actually uses to change things. And Jesus, going back to his words, it's not about the complexity of your prayer, the expertise of your prayer. It is about the persistence of your prayer. It is about the shameless persistence, to use his correct words. How annoying can you be to continue to knock and seek and ask? And I'm convicted because I look at my community that I call home and I look at my family, I look at my friend circle and I realize there are things that aren't out of order that aren't, if God was in charge and if God's kingdom had come and his will was done, it wouldn't look like what it looks like. And yet I don't pray. But when you bring all this together, what we are brought to is if I will pray in accordance with obedience, with humility, with my connection with God and stay connected to the divine, God desires to move in me, through me, and around me through this thing that we call prayer. Amen? I have an entire section of this sermon that will not be preached today, but it is on the first service, so maybe we can put both both versions. Judah, can we do that? Uh, so there's some practical steps, um, more personal things that are there at first service that you can go through if you desire to, uh, but I used all my time, so we're going to end today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, we thank you today for your word. I thank you for uh, speaking to us through your scripture and uh, speaking to us through these thoughts today. Lord, I pray that we would not be like that, that person that's described in the book of James that looks at a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what we look like. But Lord, today we would take in this truth, take in your word, and we would say, Lord, I want to, I want to be a person of prayer. Lord, I thank you that we don't pray out of duty or guilt. We don't pray uh, out of religious zeal- zealotry, but we pray out of intimacy because we are born again into your family And now we are your agents on this planet, on planet earth, to bring change, uh, to bring uh, things into alignment with how you want them to be. And Lord, it's a great privilege and honor. Let us not neglect it, but let us continue to seek you and seek your face, Lord, in prayer. We'd be a a church known for our prayer, not for the complexity of our prayer, not for the the, uh, poetry of our prayer, but for the persistence of our prayer. That Jesus... Your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and in and through us. Thank you, in Jesus' name. This morning, if you'd keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute more, I want to give an opportunity for any person that's here today that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. The very first prayer that anybody should ever pray is, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner and I need you. The beauty of the gospel is, again, it's not about our devotion to him, it's about his devotion to us. Christianity is the only religion in the world that inverts the process because every other world religion, if you dig into them deep enough, it says, here's how you find the staircase, the ladder to climb to God, to get to God, to be good enough, to do enough, to be clean enough. Christianity says, forget all that. Yeah, there's stairs. Yeah, there's growth. Yeah, there's, there's improvement. Sure. But it comes after God climbs all the way down and embraces you in your mess Like I said, we're all completely exposed before him. He sees our flaws. He sees your past. He sees your present. He sees your future. And yet he says, I offer you my grace. I offer you my mercy. Jesus died on the cross for you. And today, if you want to put your faith and trust in him and become his follower, I would invite you to just raise your hand where I can see. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. We're not going to make a big thing. We just want that simple act of faith. Thank you so much. Pastor Jake, today I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Just lift it up real quick. We're going to pray together and we'll give you a couple of steps to take after the service is over. Just lift up your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. I like praying this prayer every Sunday, not because I think I need to get saved every Sunday, though I often do feel that way, but I know theologically I am saved, but I love to pray because today's somebody's birthday in the kingdom of God. And man, what great words to pray. Let's pray them together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all the good, all the bad. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for what you did for me at the cross, where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with God. I give you my life, and I receive you today as Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen. And okay. this.